Dan's Den podcast. I got my brother Eric in here. Glad you could take some time to do this. We were chatting beforehand. We're going to talk about like time management overall, but Eric's going to give us some of his experiences with managing studying with work and then normal self-care stuff, you know, making time for for gym and exercise and meal planning. But then, um, yeah, most recently, I'm excited to get into how you've changed some of your approaches to trying to carve out some time for these different things when you have a full-time job and, you know, you got the apartment and you're in a relationship and all of that. So it's obviously a lot to balance. Mm, yep. Um, so let's start with like the most recent stuff, man. What is, uh, remind everybody again, like where you work, what you do and kind of like that, that thing that you've been studying for. Yeah. I work for Merrill Lynch. So high level, it's a, a financial advisory firm. Um, so that can be, depending on the time of year, you know, there can be lulls, but a lot of, uh, definitely a lot of work. So also in the process of studying for, it's called the SEMA, Certified Investment Management Analyst, essentially like a financial analyst role within, you know, the finance industry. So looking at trends and um, different ratios for stocks and things like that and using all that to build portfolios that clients would ultimately utilize. So kind of balancing all of, you know, that studying with work can be quite a process because this, this type of work, it's not necessarily, well, it isn't physically demanding by any stretch of the imagination, but for sure is mentally demanding. So, you know, to work an eight hour shift and then get home and try to sit down and study for a couple hours can definitely be, you know, quite a, quite a daunting task. And I'm sure plenty of people out there struggle with a, you know, similar type of type of imbalance or balance with, you know, different aspects. It's, you know, working a full-time job and then, you know, having to go home and take care of the kids, you know, something like that. So last time we chatted, man, I know you get, you told everybody and I'd encourage, you know, people to listen in just to visit those other ones, get a little bit more details about Eric's day to day job. But um currently you do it's would you call it like consulting or it's it's just managing um people's financial portfolios, but it's individuals and what, like small businesses or, or other corporations? Yeah, yeah. Some small businesses, four oh one Ks, uh for the most part though, definitely individual clients, families. So yeah, get to build some nice relationships there. Nice, man. So the SEMA certification, I know you've been chasing it for a little bit, man, but um, mm. what kind of stuff does that involve? Like how much different is it from what you already do? And what are like, uh, you know, the proposed benefits of getting this? Like what will you be qualified for later that you're not now? Or is it just like a knowledge thing? Uh, definitely knowledge is probably, I'd say, half the piece of it because the job that or the, or the industry, it's twofold. You know, it's it's managing, yeah, clients' finances. So, you know, giving them advice on, you know, if they want to purchase a house, purchase a car, you know, does that make sense based on a whole range of factors, current lifestyle, you know, annual income. So, 
but then high level, you know, to be able to, this certification would, it, I've already built a lot of knowledge, but being able to talk about, you know, the, the stock market in a more in-depth level for this, different clients are different, way, you know, are different ways. And I'm sure you experienced that, you know, through, through your job, different people, you know, act in different ways. So some people don't really care about, you know, the stock market. They just want to see the overall number at the end of the year. Like, are we up or are we down? Uh, some people ask, you know, a, a lot more in-depth questions. So being able to answer that goes a long way in this field and, you know, helps build confidence for the clients with you. And, and that's really the, the name of the game is making sure you have the, you know, the, your clients have the utmost trust and, and confidence in you. Nice, man. And that is um, pretty comparable to to my field in sports medicine and injury prevention and all of that. And especially now in this this contract role that um, I work for a company called WorkFit who has a contract with a aerospace company and that's essentially our client, you know? So it's the same thing. Like we have to have certain metrics and they measure like client satisfaction and ultimately they'll mm. zoom out and look at injury rates and try to track all of that stuff. Like, Hey, are these injury prevention classes helping? Are people, you know, taking advantage of these resources and we got to earn their trust along the way. So it's the same thing, man. Like you said, of uh, getting the, the person to buy in and trust you because there's a wide range of that stuff. Some people in the you know health, fitness, and injury prevention realm are just like, hey, I need step-by-step -step instructions to tell me what to do and I'll do it. Other people need more convincing or more background and relevance to why they should take those steps. And then some people are so hands-off, it's just like, I don't care at all. Like this doesn't even interest me, but I'd imagine, you know, probably don't get too much of that with people's finances and money. Like nobody's going to say like, Oh, I don't care. Right. That's the one thing. If anything, it's the other extreme where they may even care. Some might call it too much, but you know, it, it's, yeah. that's your money. And you know, that's, you, you worked hard for it or you inherited it. So you always feel a certain type of way, you know, about, anything, you know, related to, related to your money and your finances. So I know you, you went through an, a round of this examination before, and then, you know, there was a, a certain level that you didn't hit and all that. What are some, some things that you noticed that you tried to adjust for that studying process? So give me like an overall, like what, how you would approach if you got something dropped on you tomorrow with like, you know, a month deadline, how you would try to set that up and how that changes depending on the task rather than um, is this just you have like a, a pretty methodical way of approaching it or does it depend on like, you know, the timeline and what's involved? Well, my thought is it always helps seeing something once. So now that, that that's happened, you know, I have a different outlook on, on how to approach it. And essentially what I think I did incorrectly the first time was I took too much time from when I began studying to when I sat down for the exam and ultimately that led to just fogginess I guess in some of the earlier material that I was studying and then you know scrambling at the end to try to re you know confirm some of the that stuff I had first picked up at the beginning of the studying so it was just it was it was too much and then led to too much cramming at the end. So what, what was that initial like, like gap when you started studying and then took the, the other exam? We're talking about like months, right? 
Correct. I think maybe like six. But there was an educational piece, so I mean, it, it kind of had to play out that way. Um, but yeah, I just think it was a little too long. So, but that, that you know, there's not really much I could do about that. I had to complete the educational piece, and then there's a window that opens up. So, you know, a bunch of details that, essentially, that was probably the quickest that I, maybe I could have done it in five. But that was pretty much the the quickest. When you say educational piece, is that like in-person like lectures or something or you have to complete like an online course before you can pursue the other part yeah there was an option for so i went through uh, yale's business school of management and there wasn't i think through maybe one of the boston colleges they had an in-person option for for this certification that educational piece but mine was just online lectures that you'd listen to and then unit unit exams at the end quizzes in between and you, you get through that, and then you it opens up your testing window. Got it, man. So then you had too much time, you think, for the first time, but you know some of that seemed like it was kind of out of your control. You know, you had to hit those educational parts, but then what was the the second round like? So you realized there was too much time, and that you know the earlier stuff was a little foggy, and it's tough to cram all of that. Um, do you are you a person that uses like flashcards, or do you do like you know, voice recordings for certain lectures and play that back and take notes? How does, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so there is, I found this good kind of chunk. It's a recording of an in-person session, you know, one of those in-person kind of lectures where you go into, you know, a big, like a Marriott, you know, ballroom or something, and they have all the tables set up, and you sit and listen to the lecture, and they pretty much condense down like an overview course into like six to eight hours, and I found a breakdown of one of those split into different pieces so probably about 12 sections they broke so all separate videos about 12 videos and so going through and i listen to those um you know um, i i walk into work it's about a 15 minute walk so i'll listen to them during that to and from and then on top of that i don't i've never been a flashcard guy because this stuff isn't like straight memorization and definitions and stuff like that no Nope. You need to know the concepts, but the piece that I look at is there are the practice problems, and that's where you apply the concepts. So it's not definitions. It's more. It's a lot of math. So you got to remember the formulas. So, but then at the same time, just because you memorize a certain formula, if you don't know how to apply it, right? It's no good. Got it. Right. So that's yeah. The flashcards was never even even for more. Defin, you know, taking more tests that involve definitions. That was never really my my go-to. I I was more. I'd rather write it. I'd rather, you know, if I'm looking at it in a book, write it down and then just read it back over and over again. <laughs> if I had to cram that way, that that was always more successful for me. So along the way here, I want to compare what we're talking about to. There's um a cool series on this app called waking up um i've i've used it i have a subscription for it it's like a you know an annual thing you can pay monthly but um there's this is also available for a free trial which is so cool there's a ton of stuff on here i'm going to put a link to it in the episode description it's a legitimate like 30 day free trial no credit card nothing like that Um, it's worth a shot but then on this app there's a a series called time management for mortals 
by Oliver Berkman. And I'm not um, totally sure on this guy's like credentials and, you know, his experience. He goes over that in the beginning of the thing itself about like who he is and all of that. But um, it's probably got, you know, 10 or 13 different little segments about it um, and covering just, just that time management. So the first one, I'm just going to read some of the, the titles of the segments. It's Facing Finitude. So it's just kind of dealing with the fact that we're not, you know, immortal beings. Everything we do is managing time one way or another. Um, this time we're talking about studying and work and eventually linking that into maybe fitness and just self-care stuff. But everything we do is time management, right? So I think this is a super important topic. By no means are Eric and me like pros at this. This is something that we're still trying to figure out and refine. And another reason why we wanted to chat about this too, just to explore it a little bit more. Um, and then the second one on here is called escaping the efficiency trap. Consider the fact that we don't actually have time for everything that matters. So I've done this plenty of times before too, where there's so many little things to do that you're either overwhelmed and don't move forward on anything or realize that you're just inefficient and like the multitasking thing. We're, we're not great multitaskers as humans, but ultimately you're just kind of not putting full attention and effort into something. If you got a bunch of different things, we're scattered out. So they kind of talk about how we're more efficient if we can refine that stuff down. Does any of that stuff resonate with you at all? Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard great things about the waking up app, but definitely, at least in my experience, I, I definitely went through phases of feeling so overwhelmed, like you said, of just having so many things that, you know, whether it's waking up on the weekend and having to study and then wanting to go to the gym, but I need to see this relative and this relative and I need to go to the store and shop for the week and just understanding that it's there is quite literally not enough time in the day to complete all of those tasks and going into the day with a more refined list of okay, what, what's realistic to get done? I can wake up and go to the gym and that's too, and you know, just getting, putting it more real, into more realistic terms of I can do these three things today and that's okay, you know, and just next weekend, you know, do a different, you know what I mean? And so going about it that way seems to at least help me in terms of like, a, you know, becoming over anxious and then, you know, you get paralyzed and you end up doing nothing <laughs> because, you get overwhelmed by the amount of things you need to get done and then you can't get any of them done. So what do you think that is, man? Because obviously if we avoid it and, and don't do it, we miss deadlines and we, we compact it and make stuff worse. But what do, what do you think that's about? Cause obviously that, you're not alone on that. And we just talked about like, I do that all the time too, but what do you think that is? That, well, like, why do we do that? Well, there's a, uh, so part of what I'm studying for and it kind of, relates here is it's behavioral finance so it's the decision it's the way that people act and how that plays into their financial decisions so there's something called decision paralysis and it's almost when you're faced with too many options you end up doing nothing um so there's a bunch of studies and i can try to find us some references at, at, at some point that maybe you can put into the into the bio but i don't have them in front of me but there are plenty of studies done where yeah it just shows when investors or people were presented with multiple, 
you know, multiple options, they, and they just don't know how to, you know, kind of push through and, and look at those, you know, options, um, in a, in a, um, kind of in, in relative terms, they end up just doing nothing. And sure. so I, I think that's what, and it could also, and then kind of looking at the situate, the example I brought up of, you know, you need to go to the gym, you need to shop. It's, it's like, you know, you get overwhelmed and then, you know, it pops into your head where it's like, oh, well, you know, I can't do any of that. And instead of making, you know, somebody feel bad because I didn't go, I didn't go see Dan today, you know, at least I can say I didn't, well, I wasn't able to get anything done. So, you know, it's not like I was just skipping out on him. So that's a good example. Something that comes to mind for me, I've, I've experienced is like the kind of fear of failure. You have like, all these things to do. And then if we do manage to carve it down into like two or three priority items and I'll, we'll get into like priorities and lists and stuff later, cause that's an important part of this. But if you get down to a couple things, then it's like, if I don't do it at all, it's better than knowing that I did something wrong or like this, this caused something else down the line to maybe not fall into, into line the right way. So I think there's a subconscious part of me that maybe it's a kind of a perfectionist approach sometimes, or I want the thing to be done perfect. But if I have any doubt about that, I think there's a part of me that would rather not do it at all than to do something inefficient or not to my best. Sure. Um, I would say I fall into that trap as well sometimes. And something that, kind of overcome that is now I, I enjoy the, the struggle of knowing that, you know, it might take me a couple tries to get to where I want to be. And that, you know, just being okay with that definitely helps. That's huge, man. There's another section on here called, um, the joy of missing out. So a lot of us have heard the fear of missing out and that, you know, the acronym FOMO, um, this, takes the other approach, the joy of missing out, discover how missing out isn't just unavoidable, but also gives meaning to life. So it's the thing that you have to miss out on something. That's what it comes down to. You can't do everything all the time, nor would we want to, but there's that part of us that wants to get so many things done that if like you nailed it with the fear paralysis that, that bleeds into a lot of different areas and, and topics. I, I was interesting to find out like, in the finance world that there's like psychology and behavioral stuff mixed in, which why wouldn't there be, but it's not something that came to mind immediately to me is like psychology and finance. So that was super cool. I'd like to dig into a little bit more of that and your experience later on. The next one here is just called deciding, see what it would take to come to grips with reality and make tough decisions. So that's that fear paralysis, man. So, um, I'm not going into the details here, but all of these little segments kind of go, little bit more into detail and, and carve out real life examples. And then they do a good job of referring a lot of references and resources too that kind of back some of it because everybody has their own personal experience with this stuff. But it's for me, I like knowing that a lot of this stuff has been studied and psychological behavioral stuff is, is not a hard science in the sense like numbers and, and mathematics yeah, this seems like a cool, those those segments seem pretty cool because a lot of times, you know, you, you search 
you know, whatever, you're struggling with whatever it is, time management, and you so you try to look up different ways to overcome that. And you see all these answers, and what they always assume is that, you know, the the people that people are rational, right, and that they're going to always do the right thing and what should happen. And that's just clearly not the case. And, you know, we're going to do stupid stuff, we're going to stay out way too late on a Friday night and drink a little too much, you know what I mean? Like, it, that's just going to happen. So it sounds like this is a, these segments are, are kind of cool at coming in grips that, you know, doing that here and there is okay, and this is how you can still work around all of that and better yourself. Yeah, and it is, and it's incorporating that stuff into a plan. Like, hey, if, if you know earlier in the week, I'm, I got to go out Friday, that you got to bring that into the plan rather than like if you were going to get up 4 a.m. Saturday to like hit some study and get your gym done, but then Friday night you're still out at 10.30 ordering another round, there's a part of us that still wants to think that we're going to get up and, and follow through with that plan, but that's not realistic. So bringing in that that part of planning and deciding because later on in this uh, in this little series too, it talks about you know, spending time with other people because that's an important part of our own health and just sanity and, you know, that social connection. So it's not like you can just cut all of that stuff out. There might be times when that's necessary for short periods just to block everything out and really focus. But, you know, it's making time for others. And as you mentioned earlier, is a super important part. Like, hey, I have to see family members. I enjoy that stuff. So if you do that stuff efficiently and manage it, that's going to make the, the the work and the focus stuff better because we're a little bit more balanced. The next one they have on here is um, called limiting your work in progress. So embrace the uneasiness of not completing your to-do list. I have, I do this very commonly. I have, you know, five or 10 different little smaller tasks going around where it can get to a point where you just, you've started all of these things and then it gets to a point where like, Oh, I'm okay with that, where that is. And then you move on to the next one. And then next thing you know, nothing's really done, but you have all of these things going. So this talks about ways to just like, let's try to limit that, maybe finish one. And you know, it's okay sometimes to have ones to jump around, not necessarily simultaneously, like I'm doing these moment to moment, but I'll work on this one for a couple days and then, you know, like we're doing now with the podcast, it's hard to carve out time for this, but this is something that is like a running thing. So I'm going to do time for a podcast every couple weeks, but also, you know, doing some house repairs and upgrades and all of that. It's hard to just knock everything out and then move on to the next one. So I don't know. Do you have any experience with that stuff? Like the work in progress? Yeah. It's like, I feel like with that, it's almost having set time carved for those tasks and then however you choose to you know complete them is up to you if if uh, some people need more chaos if that makes sense to where they need to start four things at once and have four things going at the same time and then they sporadically get completed some people are very linear and it's just one after the other but you know just knowing that okay from 11 to 2 every saturday that's my time of completing, you know, these outstanding tasks, home repairs, sitting down and doing a podcast, uh, you know, going around the house and cleaning, 
and you know what I mean. So that way, you know, whatever you get done within that time, but as long as you're using that, so it's just again, it comes down to the, the overall theme of managing the time. You got to hold yourself accountable and actually use those three hours, eleven to two, to complete what you said you were going to do. So doing that, I feel like, is a good way, at least for me, to you know not get overwhelmed because then it's easy you know to be like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna paint the living room today you know, on a Saturday or whatever, but you don't have a set time of when you're gonna start and the next thing you know it's 5 p.m. and you're like well yeah. now it's too late to start so you know I feel like holding yourself accountable with certain time blocks and that kind of falls into uh, having routines. I had a coworker say that they. Um, they don't do good with routines and they don't like routines or habits. And that kind of just blew my mind. I, I really didn't, I didn't press them on it at all, but that was, I don't know what, what your thoughts are around routines. Me personally, I, I need to have that structure and I love a good, I love falling into a routine. And I think there's a difference between routine and complacency and we can jump into that maybe a little after, but yeah, what are, what are your thoughts around you know, getting into a good, having a good routine, you know, on like a weekly, call it a weekly basis. For sure. That's definitely something that's been more important to me, I think, as I've gotten older too. But I've met a lot of people that, um, I, I think it all depends on maybe how we define routine, because I think some people would look at it as just like super robotic and every like, every 15 minutes is the same every day as far as like at 8, 15 a.m. I'm doing this and, you know, like, to just assembly line down the line. Um, for me, routine is, um, I probably maybe have a more general approach of weekly. I know like, Hey, I have to get, or I want to get three to four days of exercise in. So while I might not have that written down as like, okay, Monday is, this is what it looks like. And then on Tuesday, I know that in seven days, I want to get four days of moderate or high intensity exercise but without getting too much into the details with that i have just specific i would say goals that i want to achieve of getting enough high intensity but also some strength training too so it's not a routine i'm like every monday i know that i'm doing this but that i want to have some flexibility throughout the week of when i can get that in to allow for um, flexibility and other things to kind of come up because for me, like when I have that maybe running list of works in progress, some of them might be more important on one week compared to the other. So example of like we just did some painting in the living room that took priority over, you know, exercise and, and getting my grocery shopping done that day just because it was a time when me and Brandy were both ready to go for the painting. So we knew that this is just what we're going to do today. Instead, if I was too rigid with a routine, like, Hey, you know what? I can't do this until I get some exercise in, or I have to go to the grocery store now just because this is a planned thing. But I need some routine. I think as humans, we do need some kind of routine because the opposite of that, I think, like you said before, is just kind of chaos. You don't have any kind of structure and there's probably a huge spectrum on that stuff. But for me, I think the people that say I don't like routines too much is just maybe like Monday through Friday, every single day is the same. You can predict it down to the hour. 
but I like routine of like, Hey, I want to try to get up. Um, I should try to wake up every day, like around the same time, plus or minus an hour when I can, um, that's difficult to do on the weekends. And my most recent position, I get up pretty early. I'm, I got a 4am start time. So that's unreasonable to wake up on the weekends at three fifteen, like I usually do, but I'm in a spot now where I do four by 10, four days of 10 hour shifts. So I'm getting three day weekends, which is awesome. So the way I've been doing it now is Friday morning is like kind of just wake up when my body's ready to go. Saturday, I'll set alarm for maybe like 530, depending on, you know, what's going on. And then Sunday, I try to get up for 430 just so that Monday morning, that 315 isn't like a crazy shock. So that's kind of like how I look at that stuff now. But I like being able to have some routine, but a mix of flexibility that makes me feel like I can approach things more voluntarily rather than having these deadlines and, you know, that overwhelming weight of like, oh, I have to get this done. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. And to touch on it a little bit, the point you brought up about maybe skipping the skipping working out for, you know, painting, painting the living room. I feel like that's a good trade-off because then you wake up Sunday and you sit down in the freshly painted living room and you look around and you just feel good. Right. And that might, that might send you right to let's go and work out. You know what I mean? Like now you're feeling good. You got like a, maybe a little dopamine rush as you completed a good task. It looks good in there and you're just feeling good. And now you're motivated to do other stuff that maybe you wouldn't have been before. Maybe, you know, and you're like, well, you know what, let's keep this going. And then you go in and whatever you fix up something in the bathroom or something, you know what I mean? So it's just, I feel like that's a positive spiral effect. Yeah. And that's a good example of I'm, I'm, we're painting the living room once, you know, I'm not, it's not like I have to do that every weekend. So, you know, yeah, clear the schedule for that one because I'm going to, we just, we got to get that done. And once that's done, that should be it for, you know, hopefully years, unless, you know, we get some kind of change of heart and need to switch things up and paint it again. But yeah, get that done, clear the schedule for today. Um, if I'm, if I'm relatively consistent enough week to week with my exercise, if I miss a day, no big deal. That's why I try to develop that habit because I have a little bit more freedom for when stuff comes up that I don't have to beat myself up for missing a day. Now, if I go several weeks without exercising, not only am I going to get cranky, I'm going to start feeling a difference. And then I found over time, like subconsciously, I'm just a little bit, I'm not as maybe happy or, um, I don't know, maybe more irritable. I might be a little bit more short with brandy and this and that, if I'm not getting some exercise because the physical and, and cognitive impacts, but also too, as a part of me that knows that like, you know, I'm letting myself down Do this is something that is important to me. And then the longer I go without doing any kind of exercise, the harder it is to get back in. And plenty of people share that same feeling with me. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. So I wanted to also talk, you mentioned, so yeah, to kind of close up that, that routine loop, I would agree. And I'm definitely the same way. I sometimes get into uh, a little more structured, you know, throughout like my work day or whatever. It's tough to be super spontaneous, right? (laughs) At your job. So sometimes that can end up being a little more robotic, but you know, I get at it if with whatever it is, you know, I, I have a certain amount of like 
caffeinated drinks every day, and I tend to time those the same way. But that's for different reasons. You know, that's just because I want to be done drinking caffeinated drinks at a certain point of the day. So, you know, that's pretty like rigid for me. But I, I'm I'm good with that. You know what I mean? And then it's also same thing. You know, certain number of days I might want to, you know, work out. And so, however. I get those in, you know, I give the flexibility, but as long as I hit that certain number of days, and if I don't, you know, it's not the end of the world, and that's another thing, I feel like people are a little too hard on themselves, and especially when you first start out, you know, looking at working out in particular, you know, it's really tough to get over those humps, and to get get into a consistent routine, and then once you, if you miss here or there, it's, it's different for people just starting out than you know, say you or I who have been doing this for a handful of years now where we don't we don't necessarily beat ourselves up too bad. We just know that we'll start feeling crappy if we if we miss too many of these in a row. Some people start missing out and then they feel like they I feel like they let themselves down and feel like they let others down and then again that just comes into that you know, not not the paralysis we were talking about earlier, but then it's just they almost you, you quit. Because you feel like you you already failed, and you know it's it's another interesting these mental hurdles that you know get in people's way. Yeah, that's definitely it, man. And it's um yeah the the fear of knowing that either we're not staying consistent or you know just maybe the idea that oh maybe like it's possible like I'm the person who just won't be able to do this, you know, and that's like a tough thing. Like that's unbearable for most of us that we're inadequate or incapable of doing stuff that we know are, would be better for us overall. And as I'm thinking about it, we're kind of talking about a combination of like daily, weekly routines compared to something like fitness and sleep habits is, is, is a long-term game, right? Like that, that's a, a lifestyle kind of behavior instead of something that you get these instant results. And there's different levels to that. Like I feel amazing after a short session of high intensity exercise on a Peloton or something. You know, I can do even 10 minutes sometimes. And after I'm done, you feel great. You get that little rush and the dopamine and all, all these good chemicals in the brain. But then the, the other side is like strength training resistance training is important for everybody. And as we get older, injury prevention and just being able to handle day-to-day tasks efficiently and safely without getting hurt. That's uh, the strength training and resistance stuff takes months and years to really kind of get to where you want to be. Everybody's got different goals and there's no, um, let me, I'm just trying to say that like everybody has a different idea of what that means. So that's a long-term game though. Like you have to be able to prepare for that time in our lives. If we're fortunate enough to stay healthy and, you know, relatively disease free for a long time, we have to prepare for a time when we won't have the same muscle mass and coordination when we're in our fifties, sixties plus. So you have to kind of look at that sometimes as in the same way as a financial realm of preparing for that future. We talk about 401ks and pensions and we have that physical health pension too, that if I have to try to make some deposits now, because we know there are certain decades as we start getting older, that as each decade goes by, we're 
going to start experiencing more muscle loss and coordination. So if we can bank that up in 20s, 30s and beyond, that decline will be a little less rapid and that you can maintain easier. So that was just kind of a long way to say that it can be overwhelming to think about establishing new health and fitness goals. But if we look at it as um, maybe an investment for our future selves, maybe that's a different approach somebody could take. But also to step back, you mentioned something earlier about a lot of these things and maybe even what I'm saying now are assuming that people are rational. Like we hear the information, we're going to do the right thing. But that's never the case. And that's not how it works for me. I know you've talked about that too. We have these weird parts of our behavior and even collective behavior where we don't act in a way where we would expect ourselves to sometimes. So I don't know, that stuff is interesting. I'm glad you brought up that that thing about assuming we're all rational because you'll hear these motivational TED, TED Talks or something. And it's just like, yeah, just get up and get motivated. And like, it's that easy, right? So much, so much easier said than done. And I think one thing, everybody underestimates and you start, it's just so funny how it works. Is, and I feel like this happens to literally everybody is we think we have unlimited time and that's literally our most finite resource. We're only losing it as, as it goes on. And, you know, you're a kid and you want to be an adult and, you know, you got all this time and nothing but when you're, when you're, you know, a kid and in your teens and, and whatnot. And then as you slowly start getting older, you start realizing, okay, like, but you always just think you have more of it. And then that's where, you know, looping it back into finance and stuff like that. And, you know, contributing with 401k or saving for retirement is you always think you have more time, more time. And it's just literally the quite opposite. And then same thing with fitness, you know, okay, well I can start next week or, you know, I heard somebody else in the office say, you know, I had the plan of starting working out because I just, I haven't been feeling good, you know, mentally I've had a lot going on and I know working out will help. So this person understands that, which is huge. You know, that's a, I think, you know, that's a huge piece. And then, but they're like, okay, so this was in December, and they're like, yep, so I'm starting up in January. So, you know, that classic, that classic, instead of just starting tomorrow, it's starting in January. Then something popped up for this person in January, and whatever, we were talking, I think, the other day, and then he just he came out and said, so yeah, I'm starting up in February. I'm like, Ugh. With, with nothing, there's nothing stopping this person from starting again tomorrow or, or Monday, you know what I mean? But it just keeps pushing it off, and that's where you fall into the trap of, you know, time isn't unlimited, and, you know, things start breaking down, and you get closer to retirement, and you can't, you stop, you, you know, you, if you want to retire, then that's it, you have no more income. Um, and then as you get older, too, your body starts breaking down. So, you know, the, from the fitness point of view... You know, it becomes harder, increasingly harder and harder to get into a solid routine of, of strength training or, um, you know, cardio. And it's just, yeah, it's just a funny thing. I feel like every person overestimates how much time they really have. That's that's classic, man. That's that's such a good example. And um, the, the start on Monday thing or, you know, January 1st, it's definitely a trap um, in the sense that if we're not doing this stuff now, what makes us think that we're going to suddenly be the person that is super rigid? 
So it goes both ways of like, okay, the first part is making a plan for a time you're going to start. But if there's no barriers immediately to doing that, whether that's, you know, the physical traveling to a fitness center, um, unless something like that is, is a legitimate barrier, like why aren't we just going for walks now or trying to do maybe some yoga or some stretching at home on the floor where you don't need equipment. Um, you could, uh, resources aside, like there's, you know, plenty of YouTube videos and for people who don't have access to that stuff, it's like, there's so many available ways to try to find ways to start now, but that's funny, man. I've definitely done that myself. You, st- you just think that like on this certain day, I've noticed that even on a more micro level of day-to-day stuff, I've gotten in the habit before of like, say, I don't finish some of the things I wanted to in the day. You're winding down towards the end of the day and then you plan all of this cool stuff for tomorrow. I'm going to, all right, tomorrow is going to be the day I'm going to do this. And I noticed that I almost get like, you know, uh, I get excited about like all of these things. I feel organized. I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. And you get that little, maybe adrenaline rush or maybe, you know, the dopamine response of like, the plan and knowing, feeling that you're capable. But then, you know, if, if I don't get up at a certain time to allow for those things to happen, then it, it kind of goes back to feeling bad for yourself and then avoiding that thing and figuring out other things to do. And then next thing you know, another day goes by of like not starting this thing. So I've noticed that for me, I get in, it's almost like a a nighttime version of me can get excited about planning for the things and you forgive yourself for that day of not getting stuff done. But it's like a continuing cycle of like the, the planning for the thing feels almost satisfying enough where like, I'm okay now. Like, look, look at me. I'm, I'm starting to make these good changes. I'm going to be stronger and healthier tomorrow. Just, I'm going to hit the ground running once the sun comes up that thing almost counterbalances the negative aspects of like not accomplishing it. So does you see where I'm going with that? Does that make sense of, I I feel good about planning this now. So like just keep the planning part going because I can't fail yet. Right. Or to what you're to kind of what you're saying, I feel like what needs to be done is when you have that, that great idea and then you're feeling really good about it. It's not, okay, let's do that thing in two weeks. So, you know, we're waiting for February 1st. It's let's do that tomorrow. Like let's do it tomorrow while you have that good energy, because then, you know, 10 days go by when you're, and then you're supposed to start this thing, you know, start working out and your mind's completely changed. It's, it's not, it's, you've been now, not now you've been counting down to this. And it could be something where, you know, you got yourself hyped up when you put the good idea in your head that, yeah, you know what, I'm going to start getting in shape and, um, yeah, I'm going to start doing this or that. And then 10 days later, you might not be feeling the same day, you feel the same way. You might have had a crappy day at work and your mental is totally different. And now you have to try to psych yourself up again. And it's just so much easier said than done. So I feel like, like you said, jumping on that and keeping that going is, is huge. I think that that's a, should be a good takeaway for people. I never really thought about that much, but you know, when you have that good idea and jump on it, don't, don't set a date down the road. It's, you know, just go for it the very next day. And you know, what's the worst that could happen, you know, with doing that, assuming it's a, a good beneficial idea that you, that you have. Yeah, dude. Well said. And that's, 
I don't know. I think it's a psychological tool that most of us use. This isn't like unique to me. And it's not saying that like, you know, if somebody's doing stuff the wrong way, but I think recognizing that this is probably a normal process for most of us is that keeping things in the planning of the future is, is built in. Like our, our brains are evolved to be these prediction machines and it feels we get a real sense of, of comfort and control when we feel like things are organized instead of just unpredictable chaos. Nobody can deal with that for long periods of time. So we keep those our goals in a place where we can't fail, right? If I haven't begun this yet, then I can't do it the wrong way. Um, I want to jump over. There's a part on here. The next session is called the uh, the art of saying no. So a lot of times it kind of goes back down to like refining our choices down. But too often we might be um, too accepting and not have um, a version of creating your calendar or to-do list and then you're overloaded with stuff and then you you physically and maybe cognitively can't get everything done. You can't tell every single family member you're going to go see them on Sunday and then still expect to go shopping. So the art of saying no is a way to respect your own time, but also I'm not going to break promises to people. Um, I've do this pretty regularly, but I go in and out of phases. But if, you know, say like you get together with a friend or something, you leave and you're like, oh, let's get together again. I want to do this. And we have a, I think collectively we have a normal response like, yeah, man, we're going to get together next week. Like I can't wait for it. And you just say that because it sounds good. And it's not that I have this intention of not following up, but it's just like, you're in the moment. You're like, yeah, let's do that again. Instead of like, Oh, let me, let me get back to you. I want to see like what the schedule looks like and if we can fit that in instead. Now, if I hadn't done that, I'm going to make these loose plans with somebody and then not be able to follow through, or I'm going to feel too bad that oh, I committed to that person, but I can't tell them that I have these other things going on. And then it kind of spirals down from there. So there's definitely an art to saying no, where it's not, it's not just like shutting people down and you know, there's no time for anything else, but it's more of a respect for ourselves and, and others too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know, funny enough, my girlfriend Allie actually set herself a little New Year's resolution, and it was to get better at saying no to you know whatever it, you know just across the board, and definitely falls into falls into everything you were just saying. And yeah, definitely easy to. Or, you know, the, what, kind of like what we were looking at of, you know, maybe staying out a little little too late or having one too, you know, having one more drink than you should have. And then that has you feeling pretty crappy in the morning. Being able to just say no and shut that down, you know, maybe even you can stay out, but just switch to water. You know what I mean? It's it's and it's so easy when you're in social environments to to your point, you know, you're you're in the moment. You had a great time with somebody and it's yeah, let's do it next week. It's, I, I try to avoid that. I'm like, yeah, we'll definitely do it again is like the most I'll say for that because yeah, to set a hard, a hard date like that, it's, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. It's like, did you even once think of, you know, you could already have three, three things you have to do next week and you're just so in the moment. So then you gotta, yeah, then you gotta reach out to this person and then they might think that you're, you know, you actually didn't have as good of a time and, you know, so there's just, yeah, it's, it's being mindful of your of your words but it's hard because you know you're in the moment and you're having a good time and you know it's 
yeah, let's keep the good times going. But then you come down from that and you're like, all right, like, yeah, it was definitely a good time, but I do have other things I need to get done next weekend. And as opposed to, you know, going out again or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't want to overcommit the, um, another section on here talks about how distraction works. So this is like one of my favorite parts of the series, because again, I think it, it loops back to how we all have pieces of this built in. Some, some of us might consider ourselves more easily distracted than others, but again, it depends on the task. You know, sometimes I find myself super distracted. If I don't have a set plan, even, you know, in a, in a weekday after work, if I don't have like a general routine of like, you know, fitness and getting some, uh, you know, food ready or carving out time for reading or whatever it is, if I don't have that, then I'm doing like a bunch of mindless things of just, you know, I'm kind of clean in the kitchen, but then um, I'm trying to listen to a podcast on, on the phone, but I'm also getting food ready for tomorrow. And then next thing you know, I'm like half-assing all of these things and not really doing a good job. And then that makes me feel worse, but it's kind of recognizing that there's, we're all uncomfortable when, when we're distracted. So this section of the the series goes into discover how to resist distraction by accepting your own discomfort. So knowing that like this thing comes with an inherent feeling of discomfort, we can just like, let's try to sit with that for a second rather than, all right, I got to reach for the phone. Let me turn on TV. I don't, I don't want to feel this discomfort. And we do all of these things subconsciously to distract that. And then it just kind of compounds on itself. Yeah. And that was definitely a big point. I definitely want to get to before we, we wrapped up, so I'm glad you brought it up, was being okay with feeling uncomfortable. And, you know, that's a natural part of life is not everything can be perfect and easy. And that's that's okay. It's not supposed to be. But I, I was watching a, um, a interview with a, a tennis player I like, and he was actually... Um, interviewing Gordon Ramsay, the chef, and just they were just going back and forth about you know their their experiences with Gordon in the kitchen, right, and you know high high pace, high intensity situations like that, and then uh, the tennis player on the on the court, and you're dealing with that and the uncomfortabilities of maybe going through a slight phase of the match where you're you know not at your peak, you know feeling your peak physically, but anyways they just both kind of made a point of dancing in the storm is how Gordon Ramsay phrased it. So, you know, understanding that, you know, it, it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable and that you will, the storm will pass and, you know, you can go out and you can, you can function and you can thrive in, in, in a lot of cases in these uncomfortable situations. And I think that again is everybody's big hurdle with, um, you know, getting into a fitness routine and whatever, getting on a diet regimen and, you know, whatever it is, waking up consistently at a certain time, it's that it's not always going to feel, you know, good and especially just starting out. Uh, but that's okay. If you expect that to come, if you know that that's a normal process, I think right. that's where it's at, right? Bring it on because, hey, th this is normal. I should be uncomfortable right now. Now, if you're in another spot where you're, 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 your planning shouldn't be uncomfortable all the time. So I think that's a good way to, to realize that while I'm changing things or approaching things that I have on my list here, that certain times of discomfort is normal. So don't avoid that. 
I like that phrase though, dancing in the storm of, you know, there's a bit of chaos going on, but you can decide with practice. I think a lot of us can decide that, wow, this is, this is tough right now, but I, I can choose to enjoy this. I can look at this as part of the process instead of that this is something that shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't feel this way. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. This part talks about patience as a superpower. So discover the benefits of surrendering to the speed of reality. So, you know, knowing that sometimes I'm not going to be able to finish all of these tasks at a certain time, like give yourself some grace, but also too, like it's, um, I don't know, we want that instant satisfaction, gratification thing. So patience is a superpower in any kind of time management thing, man, because so many things are going to be out of our control. And over time, hopefully we can get better at figuring out which ones are in our control so we can start attacking that. Yeah, we're just so fast paced now as a society. And, you know, there's TikTok and all these short segment videos and, you know, no one can watch anything more than 15 minutes. And so, you know, patience, I feel like, is dwindling in society. So, yeah, I would say trying to grasp onto that and expand on it and, and grow your patience. And, and yeah, you know, I, I can be short, short fused sometimes for sure. So, you know, that, that's definitely a constant, a constant battle. Another one of my favorite parts of this series, on uh, the section called the done list, see what it's like to give up any notion of being more productive or focused. So, you know, we all have our, a to-do list and there's another section on here about to-do lists and all of that. But, um, the, the done list is like a good way to maybe reward ourselves for what we did accomplish and start kind of writing down, I don't know, physically or taking notes or your phone, however people choose to approach it. But the things that we did to see like, oh, look, I did get that done. Um, it goes a little bit more in depth on, on the app here, but that's a certain, um, a cool part that I enjoy too. But this this next one I think is probably like the the best as far as like, efficiency for whether it's studying or any kind of creative task, whether that's a hobby, but it's called the three or four hours rule. So become mentally pliant and learn the value of leaving some work unfinished. So the three or four hours rule is like anything outside of that window, we might start developing some fatigue or maybe just like lose our cognitive focus any any time longer than that so they they take breaks in between but i think you mentioned it earlier like there's a certain window and it's different for everybody of like when you're most efficient and alert and that's the time when we should try to get these tasks in that require the most amount of attention and focus and to step back like yeah we're not super rational people we know that we should do this but it does take a little bit of maybe writing down and experimenting so, you know, maybe somebody who's writing a book every day between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., I'm going to the office and I'm not leaving until I hit that three-hour mark. Now, the productivity might change day to day, but if you keep that window open, I think more likely than not, the work is going to start coming out. So carving out that three or four hours where we're probably most alert and efficient during that time and trying to use that to our advantage. Um, too often I might put something off until a certain time later and that's when I'm going to start that, you know, jumps back to the start on Monday or January thing, but it's like, Hey, if I have this time today, 
then let, let's let's use that more efficiently and then move it over to being okay with letting something not be done. I'm curious with that because three to four hours is definitely a long segment. Yeah, maybe not consecutively, but right, I think yeah. that they talk about like that window and then you know you incorporate some breaks here and there. Sure. Yeah, for me with studying, you know, I can usually give you like a solid hour. And if I'm in a flow, you know, it might I might go over. Some, sometimes it's a little shorter. Uh, but, you know, being – and then being cool with, hey, man, you know, I, I, this is what I can give today for this. And, you know, it's different when it's crunch time and you're, you know, a few days away from the test. And it's like, you know, you got you to gotta push it a little bit and make sure you're at where you need to be. But, you know, when you're just in a regular flow of trying to study, it's – you got to give it what you can give it because I think there's no point in trying to push to like a hard limit of I have to study for two hours straight and an hour in you're just you know you've given it what you could and now what like what's what's the quality of this next hour you know that's definitely it dude the quality I've, I've experienced that a ton of times where yeah I got my book open I'm reading I'm trying to take notes but after maybe an hour straight you need a break dude or otherwise um, I'm, I'm not absorbing the information. I'm rereading these pages. I'm, I'm just frustrated. So it's not efficient rather than if I close the book and maybe go for a walk or do some meditating, play some video games for a little bit, but try to kind of cap that time so that when you go back to the other task, it's a little bit more efficient. Yep, absolutely. This, this next session, we, you already touched on it, but um, it's a, a piece called Time with Others. Embrace Collective Ritual and join the rhythms of the rest of the world. That last part's in quotes, but it's just a way to kind of step outside of your task. And, you know, you, you need some of that social influence, but also too, like getting in a routine or I should say when, when they mention the rhythms of the rest of the world, I think like, you know, making time to kind of get into those larger patterns of um, for some people, whether that's going to church or a religious service where there's a community and we're all kind of there for the same thing. For me, sometimes that's like live music or concerts or, you know, going for walks with Brandy, like nature walks, that stuff is always so refreshing. And then when you come back from that, you kind of get that fuel from nature. You got that time away from screens so that when you come back, okay, now, now I feel like my time's more productive and more efficient. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. And, you know, that falls into like rest and recovery for sure. You know, it's, that's absolutely vital. And then I know we kind of already touched on sleep, but I think that's probably the most underrated, you know, aspect of, of, of life. It's like quality, like quality sleep is just so big for how your entire day is going to go. You know, there's little cheats you can do to kind of push yourself through, you know, you can have an extra coffee or something, right? And, you know, power through, but if, you know, being consistent, getting consistent, good sleep is just next level in terms yeah. of. That's a great example, man, because like that, that stuff is the foundation for everything, like fitness, um, nutrition, your, your physiology starts to suffer and like your metabolism and, you know, all of that stuff starts to suffer when the sleep isn't there. And, you know, people listening and I, I feel this myself, it's not like nobody, like we're not choosing to have poor sleep and all of that. But I think when we step back and realize that that has to be, it doesn't have to be, but it's more of a, a trained habit and sleep hygiene is its own thing. We won't go too much into it now. There's so much great stuff. Even on this app, there's a nice interview 
um, talking about, they call it like the kingdom of sleep. So it's like its own thing that is like the foundation for everything else in life. And everybody's experienced this, man, if whether that's hungover or jet lag, or, you know, I had a busy week at work, you can push through with a coffee here and there, but that is very short term. And you're going to start feeling the repercussions of this stuff if we don't start taking it seriously of like something that I have to carve out time for. I'm, I'm guilty just as much as everybody else. The painting, the living room example, man, we did that Friday. Um, we got most of it done. And then towards the end of the day, there was like a little bit of, uh, you know, follow up touch ups and I wanted to put another coat on. It was getting to the point where like I could just wrap this up, go to bed, get more rest. But then there's that part of me that wanted to finish this task. And I knew that, hey, there's not a ton of to do here that it wouldn't take me that much more time to do now instead of like shutting everything down, setting back up again in the morning. And then again, if that morning version of you isn't on board with what the previous version of you last night planned, now it's just like, it almost feels like somebody else gave you this task that you didn't want to do. So it's like, for me, mo most of the time in those situations, I'd rather just push through the extra hour, finish that now, instead of putting this off to a time when, what, what if this turns into a whole nother thing? And now, you know, now I'm spending the whole weekend painting when we don't have this other stuff. So that's just a personal example from most recently. But I had to make that decision of, is sacrificing the sleep now worth it for the feeling of getting this stuff done and then moving on back to our regular routine instead of this like one off thing of the the painting that has to get done yeah yeah this is a great example yeah that's a good that's a good sacrifice you know you might lose a little sleep or you know whatever you know however much time you allocate towards sleep or whatever and you know but that's a good positive sacrifice that you know would um yeah would i would say constitute maybe you know getting to bed a little later with um I've, even as far back when i remember to like studying in high school whether you know you're finishing an essay or whatever it was i always leaned more towards i want to try to i'm going to try to stay up later to fit to finish this thing and again i didn't have time management skills or know the importance of sleep back then but i've made the mistake of like maybe shutting down the studying or writing the paper in hopes of like getting to sleep and like, Oh, I'm just going to wake up early to do it. And, and after enough of those of that version of me in the morning that isn't ready to like wake up earlier than I was, especially if I didn't get good sleep the night before, then I'm like, I'm, I'm hitting snooze on the alarm. And then like, next thing you know, like that, that thing isn't getting done that I promised myself last night. So um, this next session on here is called This Is It. Realize that there's no time in the future when you'll finally feel in control. We, we, I think it alludes back to what I was talking about before about like that, that twilight or like evening planning thing that feels so good. That's just like throwing it off into the future of like, oh, that version of me tomorrow is going to be the most motivated person. I'm going to get so much stuff done and you start to feel good already. So re recognizing that there's a mechanism in our brain I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't know enough to go into it, but we, we get that almost same reward of like planning and executing and kind of getting all of that stuff organized. We get the same reward as if I already done that thing. So then maybe enough of that, you get into a point where you don't 
feel like you need to move forward with things or that it's satisfying enough to keep that stuff in the plan. So there, there's no time in the future where, you know, lifting weights, I'm just going to start on Monday, bro. But okay, that's four days from now. What What's the barriers now? Why can't we just start a little bit today? You know, you don't have to have your two hour session, whatever it is. So that one's interesting to me. Yep, definitely. And yeah, it goes into the, you're only losing time and it'll only get, it'll only get harder. So yeah. Yeah. There's only two more sections in this whole thing. And then um, I want to get back, uh, maybe just a little bit more into your personal stuff, but then we'll wrap it up here. So the next session is called cosmic insignificance therapy. Consider the fact that we are all quote, way less of a big deal, unquote, than we think we are. So whether that's day-to-day tasks or that, you know, everything that I have planned is the most important stuff. Sometimes it can be helpful to zoom out and realize that like in the whole timeline of, you know, as far as earth has existed or even a single lifetime, like that one task isn't as important as we make it seem. And there's definitely exceptions, you know, this isn't across the board, but sometimes I like the, uh, I like the way that they, they put the word therapy in there because it's something to reflect on and work through. But cosmic insignificance is that individually, man, like you're not, it's not, it's, it, it's not that critical but we can put those demands and that kind of feeling on it that makes it seem super stressful. So I think sometimes if we can ponder the timeline on a different scale, maybe it can be a little bit more relieving and then I can approach the task at hand with a little bit more um, just, you know, empathy for myself and compassion, but like focus and, and excitedness of like, Hey, I'm, I get to do this stuff instead of, I have to, but you know, that's a trained response and day to day, week to week, that changes for me too. Um, I can one day look at something of like, look at how awesome it is that I have this opportunity. And then the next day or even later that day, it's just like, well, I have to get through this thing. And then I'm not like enjoying that anymore. Yeah. That's a funny one. I, I I almost feel like that could work in the opposite though, where some people put off tasks because they're like, eh, you know, in the grand scheme, this isn't that significant, right? Like I saw this funny, and I feel like that, you know, I don't know. I feel like you get a better view of that as you get older. I would think. I saw this funny meme online, and it was, it was, it was basically, it was a. It said, "Me when I real or kids when they realize that the." When the teacher said the earth, the sun's going to blow up in six billion years, the kid's like slamming his hands down. He's like, damn it. As if that, like thinking that that's like sometime soon, you know, it was, it was, it was funny. And, um, so that, um, you know, with that, like when you're a kid, you just feel like you, it just, everything seems more like a big deal. You know, you're a big deal and time moves so much slower. That's awesome, dude. As we go about this, like the whole time, all these different topics and themes, the song by Pink Floyd called time is like, just is always playing in the background for me when we talk about this stuff, because you know, the, the lyrics are pretty straightforward. It's obviously like a hands down classic across the globe, but that's because like they were able to refine that stuff down to like the, the essence that we all share, dude. Every, and you know, part of the lyrics is say like every year is getting shorter, never seem to find the time. It, it's just that whole thing of like, yo, man, it feels like we have this open field ahead of us and that it's not a set thing. It's this fogginess of like 
uncertainty, but that we can work towards goals if we are able to sit down and plan it instead of just like assuming that it's going to happen. So that was a good thing that you brought up about some people, and I do this too, of, oh, it's not that important. It's a reason not to do something. So it's like, hey, we got to find that balance of it's not the most critical, stressful thing. Or, you know, if it, if I don't care enough where nothing's important to move forward on, it's like, all right, it's always that seesaw. Yeah, definitely. You are young and life is long. There is time to kill today. Then one day you find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. So like, am I waiting for someone to tell me that this needs to get done? Because a, a day turns into months and then, you know, 10 years have got behind you and when you're when you're a teenager, no one can tell you about all of that stuff. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. I started my job in Newport working in that sports medicine clinic and that was, you know, three plus years ago. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. If Allie funny enough said today, she was like I was like, Yeah, it's coming up on I don't know, getting close to a year since Dan and I did a last, you know, podcast episode together and she said, Wow, it felt just like yesterday. So yeah, that's definitely quite relevant and true it definitely just starts flying by what what are you like most satisfied with some of the changes that you've made for whether time management or just like your routine stuff and you know we we it's easy to identify a lot of other stuff that we need to change but you know for, so maybe like a teenager to someone in their 20s or working maybe starting a job in the in the, in the corporate world or a more professional setting what what's something that like you wish you knew at like 15 or 20 it's definitely starting to be i see i know we just keep talking about it but the, you know the 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 time piece and it's i'm starting to get a good realization of that and you know just how to how to allocate a day you know what i mean and so for me personally i wake up pretty early as well too and i i study in the morning because i just have realized that studying after work just really is not it for me you know as something gets closer and i have to cram a little more whatever so I, i'm feeling the best i can feel about it but i guess at, at with that being said to you know expand on the time thing it, it's just more realizing what what works for you and just kind of really getting in, in touch with you know instead of just trying to force something that just clearly isn't just isn't working Take a step back, think about it. What can you do different? And just try switching things up. Like, don't be afraid to change up a routine. Don't be afraid to, yeah, try try something new with something you're trying to accomplish. Different variations, and you know, yeah, give it give it a shot. So I'd say that that's gone a long way for me, definitely. That's huge, man. And, and I think that reminds me too. Like, look at it as it's a skill that needs to be developed. I think a lot of us think that I'm just not a good time manager or. You know, I, I'm a procrastinator. Um, and there's another section on this waking up app called solving the procrastination puzzle who go, it goes hand in hand with this series because it's like, you know, we're, we're all procrastinating on some stuff, but it can turn into, you know, a pretty detrimental behavior. But realizing that it probably is just that, like a behavior that can be identified and, and corrected, but we need to take small steps to do that. We're not just going to upload like you know, uproot everything and be able to be super efficient. So that was a, a great way to say like, Hey, try to mix up the routine and just maybe make these small changes, give it a little bit of time, see how that feels. 
but it's not just going to like fall altogether. Right. Right. Something, um, a quick example that I can think of like day to day is like stuff like, uh, knocking out like your, your household cleaning and dishes and stuff. So there's been a time where, you know, if I don't do that stuff immediately after a meal or something, I'm almost like putting it off as like another task to do later, but then I'm not carving out the time in my schedule or routine to like pick up on that extra thing, whether it's three or five minutes, but there's a part of me that in the moment I write it off as like, all right, I'm just going to do that later. But then when it comes down to planning for the day in the week, I usually don't account for that extra 10 minutes of leftover things that I left from before. And then it's just an easier thing to coach, kind of just keep pushing off and pushing off. The same could go with studying or with, um, you know, maybe sitting down and doing some budgeting or maybe I got to sit down and just do some foam rolling and stretching. And like, it's easy to just think that I'm going to do that later and then not, not do it. So sometimes I have to play a game with myself of like, I can be very, um, if I look at my, the future version of me, whether that's tomorrow or an hour from now or a few years from now, I try to look at it as like, I'm going to do that person a favor by knocking some of this stuff out now. Because if it was like, if it was you that I was thinking about, I would want to do something for you to help you out the best that I could. So if I just can look at, you know, that future version of me, like I'm going to do that person a favor then it's a lot easier to look at it, to do the, the stuff now instead of just, you know, this is annoying. Nobody wants to do this now, but the future version of me isn't going to be excited about it either. So what makes me think that by putting it off now that I'm going to suddenly be in the zone and be thrilled to do it later. So that's just like a little thing I notice about my own psychology and I'm sure you can relate to that, but you look at it as like, Hey, this is just the future version of you're helping a friend out, but it's, you know, yourself. Yeah, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for taking care of, right? Golden, right there. That's a good place to wrap it up, bud. So um, a lot of good stuff there. We can go in a lot of different directions with that, but I'm glad that we were able to, you know, get some of your experiences and then connect that to, you know, maybe stuff that we can improve on. And also, ultimately, we're all we're all collectively in this together. We have a lot of the same challenges, so... I think just by talking about this, I have, you know, a better idea of like, Hey, I'm not alone with this. And that this is all ways to hopefully start getting better. Cause that's what we're trying to do out here. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for your time, brother. And, um, I think next time we do one of these, we'll have maybe some more, uh, finance specific stuff. And after you get this next certification exam out of the way, man, I want to hear your kind of reflections on that process. Cause this has been something that I know you've been spending a lot of time on and working towards. And for someone that has um, been pretty successful and, and can attack things, it's hard to get kind of derailed if you don't hit stuff the nail at the first time. So I, I admire your uh, you know, resiliency and, and ability to kind of keep going back at it, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm excited to yeah jump back on, do this again. Love you, man. We'll talk soon. Right. Love you. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dan's Den. Don't forget to follow and turn on notifications so you don't miss our latest releases. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it. Also, check out our other episodes. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.